Good evening, Patriots. And it's the end of Tuesday, August 8th in the year 2023. You know, I'm just sitting out on the porch watching the sunset. <clears throat> I won't tell you. I've got to figure out a way to move the podcast outside, literally. I'm going to. I'm going to figure this out. Not a big deal. I just got to set the system up. But it's um, just being outside and out of the studio, letting the just the wind blow around you here in the nature out there, I'll tell you. It's it's just like God is there. It's like our Holy Spirit is there, and it's just flowing, watching the beauties of our world in the midst of a crazy world. We just remember just how mighty and how wonderful our God is, and what all that means. So it's just been a it's just a really nice thing. I think everybody needs to take time. I hope you do take time to get outside, especially in the evenings, and just things should quiet down a bit. There's nothing like that. I am one that loves the night, and I love rain. I love cloudy days. I love snow, and I'm not a big fan of bright, sunny days. It's just me. I just I find when the best part of the days when the when you have the sound of nature flowing to where you don't hear the sound of man's world, it is truly phenomenal. Well, Patriots, one of the things that we absolutely know right now is that food is being prepared to be a weapon system. And they're organizing it to put people on their knees. And don't be caught short. You need to integrate and develop a food plan for your lifestyle and for your for every incident that can occur. And that's difficult to do, not knowing what's coming at us. We have so many different things that are coming at us these days. We don't know what to expect, but there are some basics that you can do to make sure that you're ready for anything that comes at you, whether it's food shortages whether it's in storms, whether it's natural disaster. You need to have the baseline of all your food preparations, emergency foods. And those are the best provider we have is My Patriot Supply. And right now, if you go to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com, you'll get 25% off, which is the highest they've ever deducted or or, or discounted their, their three-month supply. But it's a three-month supply system for each person in the family. So head on over to preparewithbards.com. Take advantage of this great sale. It's 25% off. It's fantastic. And the quality of the food that you get with the calories each day, great tasting product, long lasting. And that's, these are all key things as well as ability to have it ready to go whenever you need it. It can sit on the shelf for up to 25 years. These are the sorts of baselines that we need in every bit of our preparations for whatever shakeups are to come. And it's necessary to have those because you never want to be caught short. It's one of the best insurance policies you can have for your family. So head on over to My Patriot Supply by going to preparewithbards.com. Preparewithbards.com. Take advantage of the fantastic savings right now, 25% off on the three-month food supply kit systems for your family and get one for each member of your family. It's an investment you will not regret. Best thing to have for peace of mind. So again, preparewithbards.com. You know, I, like I started, it's um, it's just a beautiful night, and and to we have a around the ranch. I noticed today, I didn't realize that I've got a huge family of quail, and I've got a mother quail, mother hen quail that's running around here. And I I bet you, when I saw her today, I was I really didn't know what I was looking at at first, and then I realized she has something like. Now, maybe we start with this. I don't know if this is from the same. I don't know how they work. I'm assuming these are all the same mothers. Little chicks, or quail chicks, or whatever we call them. 
and I have to even look that up, but I couldn't believe how many. There was probably 12 or 15 little babies running with her. It was like a whole flock, and they're running all over the yard, and I think they've taken up nest. I'm still trying to figure out where they are, but I think they've taken up nest right by the, the house. And it's just to watch nature do its thing. One thing I, I've been really insistent on up on the property is that the last year and a half, we haven't done any hunting or any killing on the property. Now, that's changing a little bit because, I, as I told in the previous hour, I'm going after the predators right now, which are the coyotes, because they're just in the, in the environments that are out here in the valley where we have farming and ranching going on. They are a predator, and it's a, not a good predator when it comes to trying to raise farm animals or ranch animals like sheep. But nonetheless, um, we're just seeing a really explosion of life. And, I, and I've said this so many times. When I watch nature work, I have to scratch my head and ask myself, what happened to us? And this isn't a new theme by any means, but it's definitely just something that makes you ponder. It's like, how did we end up in such a place where we're so off base with things that we don't really know our way anymore? How did we end up a place wandering in the desert and have people just coming up with their own ideas? And personally, I think that much of it is that as people have separated from God, matter of fact, I won't even say, I think there's good evidence biblically for what I'm saying, but I will say that we've, as I've talked about here, as people separate from God and accept this view, and biblically we were told God will let, have, will let his people go and do their thing and let them let them walk that path that they want to walk, which is a path without him. What we're witnessing is a world, truly, that is an outcome of stepping away from him. You lose your moral pinning. You lose your reference to who you are as people. You start to imagine that you can be anything. You can start to imagine you can have whatever gender you want. All of these things. Now, that isn't on its own, though. Because as people step there, that is a strong demonic influence that comes in and really tries to push push through and take over the body. And it's really what I've lately, my latest term on this is you become little more than a, than a meat puppet. And that's a pretty sad statement for children of the Most High. And yet we are not anything without God. And I think we know that, but as we witness our world and we take a step back in our world and realize what we're really watching and what God's giving us the first row, the front row seats to witness is this is what a world looks like when it rejects him. The beautiful thing is we're walking with him. And I truly believe that no matter what goes forward here, we're going to be walking in the protection of heaven to do our mission. Now that said... I kind of want to nip in the tail something that's been coming up a lot. And there's a pretty pervasive optimism that we're going to go through a bumpy time and then suddenly things are going to get tremendously better. I don't know how fast that turn would be because I think if we're realistic at looking at the level of corruption that has happened in our society, I think that we start to open our eyes to realize that this is going to take a lot more than just some more truth exposure and a lot of praying. This is going to take a shaking of the world. Let me start with this little piece here. It should come as no surprise, but 
as you know, President Trump is getting ready to issue evidence. And what came out today, I'm just going to let this play. This is just, I laughed, but it's like, it's stunning to how this can even be let to happen. Take a listen. Fox News alert. The January 6th committee has destroyed their records, video depositions, data, transcripts, documents, all missing. Democrat Benny Thompson told House Republicans in a letter, quote, the select committee did not archive temporary committee records. The select committee was not obligated to archive all video recordings of transcribed interviews or depositions. That's strange. They spent two years investigating and then they just put it in the shredder. Pretty much. That's what they did. And this is the sort of government that we have at all levels. And I think it's important that when we're looking at this world and realizing what the level of corruption is, we have to really come to the understanding that we have such an important role as we walk with Christ to continue to push that love and that power of kingdom into the world. And it's a mighty walk, and it's not an easy one. And it's going to get more challenging. Now, this is a person I'm going to play for you. So I want to play the whole piece. This is the Coach JV from TikTok. I love his work. He's a former senior banker at a very high level of Wall Street. He's got a great heart, and he's laying it true here. And what he's about to describe to you, you've already heard me talk about, but here it goes. Take a listen. Could you imagine going through the Great Depression? Well, the reality is you're not going to have to use your imagination anymore. We're about to go through something that's going to make the Great Depression look like child's play. I want you to think for just a moment how much your life has changed since 2020. We went through a life-changing pandemic that changed everything. How we communicated, how we went to work. It destroyed families by separating people. Vaccine versus no vaccine. Mask versus no mask. Believing in the C word or not believing in the C word. It created a massive political divide all by design to make you pick left and right. And all at the same time, they're changing your monetary system. And they printed more money than in history the last 24 months. And as they printed that money, they pumped it into some of the largest companies in the world. And the four richest people in the world and tech companies became much wealthier as the middle class became much poorer. And out of Jerome Powell's mouth, the head of your Federal Reserve, he said he's worried about the middle class. They're going to get wiped out, leveraged towards technology. Well, guess what? That time is here. Your food prices are going through the roof. Gas prices are going through the roof. Your rent prices are going through the roof. Housing prices skyrocketed, and now they're going to come smashing down based on some experts. But I'm not a real estate expert. Do your research. But what I do know, what's next? Along with the supply chain management, food shortages, sugar shortages, which I just saw an article on that, baby formula shortages. Well, here's what's next. CEOs and large companies are going to start massively laying people off. They don't need you anymore. This gave them the opportunity to see if they can operate without you, and they can. They can leverage you towards technology. They can operate very lean and efficiently now. They can start shutting the buildings down. And guess what? If they don't get up with technology, blockchain, supply chain, and they can't keep up with expenses of the raise in inflation, they're going to be laying off tons of employees. So you're going to start to see your mom and dad, your brothers and sisters, your cousins struggle to survive. 
Families are going to start moving in together. And unfortunately, a lot of people are going to be taking their lives. That's why I'm taking this so seriously. That's why I share the same message over and over and over again. Because this is going to be the greatest time in human history for some and the worst time in human history for some. That's why you need to start working on your mental health. You need to get a side hustle. You need to use social media to produce, not to consume. You have the opportunity to use the very same technology they're using to destroy you and distract you to build an empire for your family that can protect you. Now here's the good news. There's gonna be warriors and warriors, just like every single crisis, and they say don't let a good crisis go to waste. More millionaires are made in crises. So your job is to understand how the game works and be around a tribe that has a right vibe that will help you rise to the top. I love you, I appreciate you. You're gonna hear the same mess from me over and over again because what you repeatedly do gets ingrained in your subconscious mind. Warriors, So Patriots, this is a really very serious time. And I'm going to speak a much more sobering message than Coach JB. He is a the Coach JB is awesome. I mean, what, the financial and advice he gives, I think, is solid. He's been very level and and very reasoned in a lot of a very tumultuous time, especially in talking of things like XRP, Ripple, uh, the coming digital era, things like this. But the one thing we have to understand is that train left the station, and they're moving out to push people into a world where we are forced to use a digital currency and they're going to take away the opportunities for, for easy latitudinal movement so that you're channeled into a system, basically herded like you do a corral. So let me, let me talk about that in a minute. Cattle walk widely on a range. Now, if it's the larger the property, the greater expanse that they cover. And so part of the role of anybody ranching with cattle, whether you're on an ATV or a horse, is to corral your cattle. That's part of the other functions of, of cattle dogs. And the same goes with sheep, except cattle are just a little more difficult to move at times because they, they tend to be a little more hard-headed at points, depending on the breed. Cattle are left to graze mindlessly, and they're actually, they, they remind me a lot of humans. If you open them up in a, I was sitting there watching them the other day laughing because we have, they're on about 20 acres of an immense amount of grass right now. And I watch them move across this 20 acres and they don't move systematically. They move and they'll graze for a bit and then they kind of lift their head up and then they'll walk over. And if one walks over, a couple other will often join them and they'll be, they'll nitpick they'll go through and they'll pick the best that they like here, whatever that is. I'm not a, I'm not a cow connoisseur grass eater, so I don't know how cows think necessarily about grass, but I know that they look, they, when they find something they love to eat, the other day I noticed they were chewing on some bush I didn't expect them to chew on, and they were finding the flowers on it to be very tasty. But I'm just saying when they, they will nitpick. And over a course of a season... Um, and we'll say like the field we have right now, letting them be, if we let all of them be, they will graze that down eventually to where there's nothing left. But it won't be systematic. They'll move around, they'll pick and they'll choose here until finally they have to go back and they have to get this, those, that last little bit of grass because that's all that's left. Humans are very similar in this pattern because we people hear what's coming, but they choose to ignore it. So in that sense... Instead of preparing, they're going to be doing things like, well, okay, well, we can do that tomorrow. We can go out to dinner or Let, let's cook. Let's let's not worry about our preps right now. Let's go buy some special stuff for here or for there. Or, 
And the focus for humanity right now is very distracted. Now, increasingly, people are awakening, and I get that, and it's wonderful. But if we really wanted to do hard numbers, it's probably going to be rather disturbing to some people. I would say that there's probably 5% of the globe that's going to be somewhere in the area of the elites that are all about manipulating and controlling the global population. And on the flip of that, there's probably about 5 to 10% of the globe that's really awake right now. So if you're sitting here listening to this, really t- take that in. That's, how, that's not a lot of people on a global level that have accomplished a level of awakening and, and understanding of what's going on in the world. And at the out, outer side of this is, we'll say, 85% to 90%. And I know that sounds enormous, but it really, when you start to look at this other group of people, it's a day-to-day survival. They're not really thinking in terms of a huge moment of what's happening. They're not looking at the networks of things that have been moving. Some areas in the world are more awake than Americans. But if we focus just on the United States, I'd say that in the, in the core of awakening group, we're probably in the range of 10 to 15% of people that are really awake against a mass population, probably in the range of 75%, that is still some on the edge, but many still just walking mindlessly in the desert. Now, what Coach JV is talking about here is the same echoes that are happening all over different publications, even in mainstream media, to a certain degree. Not too heavy on mainstream media. They're trying to keep your eyes away from it, but there's enough tremors to see that something is going on and it's rather significant. And unfortunately, when this grenade pin gets pulled and that, as they say, the spoon flies out, that's when the fuse gets ignited and that's when you have about five seconds to dump that grenade. We're rapidly approaching that point, if not there now, five seconds being relative to a time span of years. The shock that will come will be significant because if there's one way to wake people up, it's their money. Unfortunately, the greatest idol people worship is their money. So when we sit back and we look at this and we, we look at this mountain of change that's ahead of us, and we know how corrupt our government is, we know how corrupt our institutions are, we realize the infiltration of truly demonic thinking, one has to wonder, what is it that will shake people up? And we can even make an interpretation and I'll be careful on this because I don't know that this would be, I don't know that I wouldn't say this is God at all implying this other than the, it was, we were not, he's told us it would not be a flood, but it would be fire next time. Well, I just point this out that one of the things that will almost be guaranteed with this, that we will literally witness cities burning. The crazy part about the world that we're in is people that are wrapped into this narrative become so consumed with the anger of the narrative when it doesn't work that they are, their only reaction is to attack the very system which they depend upon. I would say it from a standpoint of, of mind control and influence programming, it's, that is like grade A double plus because the accomplishment to do that to where people are self-inflicting the damage and it's not being having to be done by external forces like bombing campaigns or invasions or artillery, that people themselves will accomplish the destruction from within to tear a society down is quite phenomenal. And we've arrived there. Not that There can be no debate right now that the destruction that is happening worldwide, is in particular in the Western cultures, is that 
the Western people, not the governments, the Western people are by their own choice and free will destroying everything the, the Western culture stands for, tearing down statues, getting rid of books out of universities, rewriting histories. And then the topper of them all is things like having your children's genitals removed and not even thinking through the consequence that as a parent, you will never have grandchildren. That is a phenomenal moment in time to witness. Not that I'm, and it's not when I say, I don't say that phenomenal in a positive way. It's just shocking. We are seeing the self-inflicted termination of the Western societies. And it's happening at a phenomenal rate. So when we look at the immigration that's coming, and we keep looking out there saying, oh my goodness, look at the threats, the cartels, look at the, the foreign fighters, look at the ISIS teams that are coming in, look at the Al-Qaeda fighters that are coming in. Yes, there are many. Yes, they are in the millions. But what about that 300 Americans, 330 million, I mean, Americans that are here now? Where do they sit? And I think this is one of the biggest moments in time for us to reflect and pray into of the realities that we're not seeing. We have so many, we so outnumber the enemy, it's not even funny. If you take the numbers of the United States and you say that there's 5% of the people roughly in power that are manipulating all that out of a population of 330 million, that's only 15 million people. 15 million people have engineered a coup against 315 million people and done such an effective job of this coup that those 315 million people, and let me put it this, rephrase that, 60 or 70% of that 350 million people have been willing to commit seppuku, which is suicide by your own hand. This is, this is how incredibly deep the programming has been and ultimately, all of this pivots back to a reality that we, the people that are here now, are walking with Jesus and those others are, are not. It's a very sad statement. Now, I'm going to even qualify this. It's important that we, we when people say they walk with Christ, I, my interest is, do you walk with the Christ you learned in a pew? Or do you walk with Jesus? And I mean by that, not constrained by the dead stone walls. Not constrained by the things that the pulpit is telling you you can or cannot. But embracing the authorities that have been given to us to really do great things in this world. At this point, if you're walking with Jesus, you really shouldn't be feeling any stress. You shouldn't be feeling any fear. You should be submitting to him to such a degree that you can feel the power of God moving in this world, and he is moving. And there's nothing really to have any concern about. Because here's the bottom line. Even if we go through trials, we've been given much time to fill the silos like Joseph was given pre-warning. We've had that pre-warning for years now. And I would say that you're never, ever prepped enough, okay? That I will say. It's never, it never stops. And it's a mentality that you're always preparing for a day. And it doesn't have to be the government. It can be an earthquake. It can be a fire. It can be, it can be a storm that wipes out power for two weeks. It can be 
uh, it could be a terrorist attack. It could be a whole variety of crazy things that we go on. But as we have moved through this, the question is, have you taken the time to really fill your silos? And those filling those silos is twofold. One is the physical nature of it. That is the food and the preparations to sustain. Do you have enough food on hand to last? We say 90 days. I, I prefer to say a year. Do you have those supplies to endure a year? And it may not be exactly the way you want to endure a year. You've heard me talk about basics like rice and beans. And a lot, I've heard people literally, I've had people write me and go, I can't stand rice and beans. I'm not going to eat them for a year. I'm like, okay. Then choose your, choose your, your food. But if you don't like that and you've avoided doing that, what does the world look like when the word hunger and the word starvation become as common as the discussions of what baseball team somebody likes or what football team somebody likes? See, we're entering into a point right now as a nation that we have to go through. And I don't say that from a point of repentance and of punishment by God's hand. It's the only way that we can be freed as a nation and come to understand the value of working together to overcome. We're dealing with so many decadent issues right now. First world problems. We don't want to eat beef anymore. We, don't, we will eat bugs. And we're dealing with the scarcity world. They believe that scarcity is the way to solution of all things. I'll tell you an interesting story about this. My grandmother had asthma. This is my dad's mom. And this is back in the 60s, actually, mid to like mid 60s to the later part of the 60s. And she ended up having an extremely bad asthmatic reaction. And, they, and she lived in Montana with my grandfather. So they moved her to Billings Hospital, where they put her in, in ICU and in, in care and and. The doctor's solution was every time that she started to have an asthmatic res response, they would take something away until she got down to where basically she was hardly, she wasn't going to make it. I mean, let's put it like that. My dad got a call and we were living in California. It was a very close friend of the family. And he said, Lloyd, Ruth, which is my, my grandmother, is not going to make it. You need to get up here and do something. This is horrible. There, she's literally just dying because she has no food and they're not letting her eat because that's the approach they were taking. Now, this isn't like they were bad doctors, but their whole approach was extractive and eliminative. And in the process, she was literally dying of malnutrition in the hospital. My dad made a call to Stanford Hospital and they discussed with them and they were able, they said that they would be more than happy to get her in and bring her in to get her treated. And so he jumped on a plane and he flew up to Billings and got her out of the Billings Hospital, flew her down. She was weak, hardly could walk, low on energy, extremely thin. They put her into the Stanford Hospital. And the first thing they did is, excuse me, the first thing they did is they brought her a whole tray of food, chicken and broth. And my grandmother said, no, 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 no. She says, I can't eat that. That will cause me asthmatic reaction. And the doctors sat, went, sat with her and said, Ruth, you're going to be okay. We want you to feed yourself. We want you to eat these things because your body needs nutrition to overcome the problem. And we're starting over. 
Now, I'm using that as a very specific example. By the way, Stanford did an incredible job at that time. Um, she recovered very quickly, and though she had some problems with the asthma in the future, the problem that had happened was that as the stress and wearing, she, was, she ran a cafe, a great one, in fact, a legendary in, in Custer, Montana. But it, all that workload and stress had just worn her down, and her body didn't have the ability to fend off an asthmatic reaction. And so the doctors, rather than looking at the source of the problem, the doctors used the food as the, as the symptom and took so much away that her body only continued to spiral down because it became weaker, not stronger. Now, I think at this point, you, I think you can see the layout that's going on in this metaphor today. And it's an important one. We are a society right now that we're fighting against people that believe in an extractive and, and reductionist way, a scarcity way. We need to take, like Oregon, IP3, measure IP3. We need to take away the right of anybody to eat meat, anybody to raise animals, anybody to do anything, any harm to animals. It can no longer happen in this state. And as these mentalities go on, people begin to believe in these narratives. And they do so because they're not living in a point right now where they have, have anything to concern themselves with. Well, they go to this grocery store and they see tons of vegetables and they see a smaller area of beef. No longer do grocery stores have butchers so they don't get to see the butchering of meat. They don't get to have the experience and in connection with the source of God's gift to us. And everything they see is the bounty of green things. And they don't even connect to the fact of where these come from. They'll buy organic and feel well, not realizing that most organic's a scam anyway. But all of these things and all of these modelings that are around them are keeping them locked into a narrative that they feel very safe with. A narrative where they make what they think are to be very important decisions for the world and important decisions for the saving of the planet. And with that, they're actually removing all of the nutrition that they need to sustain the body, the mind, the spirit, and the soul. And they're being worn down and not even realizing they're in a cycle. Now, God did not ask us to live in a world of scarcity. And even if we use the moment of Joseph, God put on Joseph's heart to fill the silos. And those silos were filled, and the preparation for the time to come was made, and people that had, were there were able to now have something to eat during the era of or the period of scarcity. So we, this comes to where we are now. There are a ton of people out here that have no clue because they haven't wanted to look. And worse, there's this other group that are falling into the trap of believing that we have so much that we'll never have any, that we have so much that we can waste. We don't have any worry about waste, but we can also get rid of full food sources. The way I look at eating vegetables and being a vegetarian, and, and it's pretty simple, and obviously I have an even more heightened view of this now that I'm really committed as a lifestyle of eating is what we call the corona, or the corona, the, the carnivore diet, not corona, trust me, carnivore diet is that a cow has three stomachs and it moves the grass it eats 
and grazes on through those three stomachs, and each time it burps it up, and it rechews it and sends it back down. Three stomachs. That means three stomachs and three chewings to extract out all the nutrients that that batch of grass has for their bodies to grow. When we take the beef from the animal, we have one stomach. And so when we take the protein, which is the meat of the animal, and we eat it, all of that processing to get the vegetable proteins into an accessible form has already been done. And so when we eat meat, we fill our bodies with a nutrient that's readily accessible between the meat and the fat, and our body consumes that rapidly and efficiently and with only one stomach. Now, when we try to eat vegetables as a dependent diet, there is no possible way we can extract out all the nutrients we need because we only have one stomach. It's pretty simple. And for us to grow strong, it means something we're not going to. We're going to have to be changed. And part of that will be a reduction in physical mass of males. It'll be a weakening of the immune systems. It'll be a reduction in the physical size of people. And you'll slowly, we will, our bodies will over time adapt to the nutritional de- deficiencies that'll be there to get us by. Because we are wired and geared to live, not to die. All of this model that we're being channeled into centers on one primary area of starvation. And it's the starvation of the Holy Spirit. The world that we're in right now is in tremendous chaos. It's in upheaval. And it's going through the throes of trying to decide how we're going to move together in a certain way. But the problem is that so many pieces are broken off. And as information is coming in and people are awakening, they're coming to some real shock and awe moments of realizing that things aren't all like they thought they were. As we would say, you're not in Kansas anymore, Dorothy. But still, they've been deeply programmed on key areas. And one of those key areas is to be told that Christians are fanaticals. And unfortunately, So much of the experience in churches has reinforced that, that people reject even hearing the word Jesus. Unfortunate, but true. It's one of the trigger words that they worked in very well. Our world is going, our country in particular, is coming into a major shock. The Coach JV that you heard just a few minutes ago is not a conspiracy theorist. He's a person that works in very deep research coming from a banking background. And he's trying to advise people on how to navigate forward in this difficult time. Our moment right now is, as we are moving through here, we have to be spiritually nourished first and foremost. And that means each and every day we have to be grounded in our relationship with Jesus. I've been saying this for a long time, and I'm... I'm really making this a statement of hear my heart, not as a plea, but as an urgency. Seek the face of Jesus. I understand and seek the face of God. 
Develop an intimate relationship and trust that you can talk to Jesus. Trust that you can talk to God. The pulpit has been such a destructive force in making it sound as though only through the pulpit can you hear God. And I am not saying that's universal to all churches, but I am making a broad swipe generalization that has come true in too many. Too much of our world is still driven towards money and things. We are still trying to figure out the worries of like, how are we going to make money? How are we going to do this? I'm going to tell you something. When this pin gets pulled and that grenade explodes, the most important thing you're going to be have is your relationships with your neighbors to have you come together, to work together, to solve problems. And that's fundamentally what Christ told us we needed to do anyway. Love thy neighbor. And that's for me, like I've said many times, we have a very robust garden right now. We will be able to can many things this season. We'll have all the food we need for the whole year. And for me, I have all the, the meat that I'm going to need for the whole year and beyond. Coming from the other place. But all that said, we have excess. And as I see excess, it becomes one of the most important parts of our next level of ministry where we're literally going to be able to rescue, heal, and restore. In the midst of all of this, in the chaos, we have to realize that the examples that we walk right now, how we live with Jesus, our ability to communicate our love in Him through the actions that we do in the world are going to become amazingly important. We bat around with ideas many times about, you know, well, my neighbor comes over and he's a pain in the butt. I'm not going to give him anything. I'm going to... But if you really listen to the heart of God, God would be telling you just the opposite. We're going to have to become the real deal. The Christians that walk with Jesus, not the Christians that sit in a pew and say they do. And this time going forward is going to be defined, in my opinion, between those that are the takers and those that are the lovers of Jesus. Jesus that understand the power of loving thy neighbor and building community. I know I've brought this story up many times, but it's always just a point to this. I traveled all over Afghanistan. A large part of my travel was myself and my interpreter just driving a a Toyota 4Runner. And I came out of this just fine because everywhere we go, we went, we would build a relationship. And they would tell us how to go to the next. What's really strange about Afghanistan, it's something that I really respected, is in the midst of all the craziness of that turmoil of civil war and invasions from years and years of empires, they still held on to a code called Pashtunwali. And the principle of that code is that no matter who you are, and this is where you hear the term, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, But the most important part of that code is that no matter who you were, even if you were an arch enemy, if you came to the door and I accept you in, it is my responsibility to make sure that you are fed, you have water, you have a place to sleep, and until you leave my compound, that your safety is guaranteed. That's, I don't care where it comes from, that is a true sense of love thy neighbor. So I'm going to challenge everybody here in these days ahead 
to really rethink of how you look at your food preps, how you look at your disaster preps, what's your relationship with your community, and what types of reactions you would make while keeping your family in protection, but at the same time, in a time of crisis, dealing with those that are truly without. One of the wisest plans, and I, I always, every time I say this story, you heard me laugh, and I laugh because I know who this guy was. And we've lost touch, but he was an audio engineer, a great guy, helped me on my, my first film, and just had such a good heart. And it was one of these guys that when I went to Afghanistan, I had bought a lot of my equipment from, at that time, the uh, audio and video shop that he was working at. He was a they were a big, big supplier, a big, good sized company. And if I ever had a question, no matter where I was in Afghanistan, and I had a number of times that we had like equipment problems, or I had a, a one camera where the whole screen went out, and I had to do field repair on it. He would literally, it didn't matter what time, he would take my call and he would work with me to solve that problem. And we did, and it kept my stuff going. It was like having a, a custom tech guy with you at all times. But we were having a conversation one day in my office in Portland. And I had been back from Afghanistan now about, I guess, about eight months. And he said to me, he goes, Scott, I don't shoot very well. I don't have a lot of guns. So I know that I'm not going to be able to fight off the people, he said. But he said, I do know this. I'm a good cook. So I've built the best kitchen in my entire neighborhood. And I've stocked my kitchen and my, my stocks so that I can feed that community. And he said, because I figure if they know where the food is, they're going to protect me. Some of the best wisdom ever given. Keep that in mind. In a time when we have a lot of pressures, there's a tendency for us to retract, want to become self-centered and self-inner-focused. But let us always remember a couple of things. Our number one commission from Jesus is to love thy neighbor. And we are told over and over that if our faith is true, God will provide everything we need. These times coming will test those things. And truly, I believe those that can walk those two commissions to trust in God to provide all things and to love thy neighbor. I truly believe you will shine greater in the love of Christ than you've ever imagined. Because this is a time now that people will be upset in turmoil, chaos, lost, confused, angry, pissed off, all these things. But there's nothing like a good meal with some people that have a lot of love in their heart to calm things down get a perspective, and to give hope. We will get through this. And I truly believe that what's coming, we will get through brilliantly. And I think we will be an amazing example of what, what we can do as a nation to overcome. But it's going to take the moment of scarcity. It's going to take the words hungry. And it's going to take the words starvation, unfortunately, in many ways, to shake up this nation. And when it does... There's not going to be any talk anymore about banning this or banning that in terms of what you grow and what you eat. It's going to be talking about what can I do for my neighbor? What can I grow to have some extra for my community? What can I do to make sure that I always have something on hand for someone in need, no matter who or she is, no matter who he or she is? 
just to give that some thought because we're going to have to change the way we do business. And then we change the way we do business. If we're following Jesus, we're going to find ourselves more rewarded than we've ever imagined. Patriots, let's pray. Father, just very humbled tonight and blessed to come here and be before you and just reflect on some of the coming changes. Father, my prayer tonight is a measure of of open hearts right now. As much as we can feel the squeeze and the uncertainty of what is coming, let us not repel from, from heaven lock ourselves up and take the path of Satan, which begs us to hoard, to hold, and to keep it for ourselves. Let us instead fill the silos, knowing that as we do with the heart for the many, you'll be right there, God. Let us remember the Sermon on the Mount, where a few pieces of bread and a few pieces of fish fed thousands. Let us seek that level of faith to know that as we walk with you, Lord, we are walking in a world of unlimited bounty. All we have to do is ask, but we must ask from a loving and forgiving heart. Those are the blessings that I wish to settle upon everyone here tonight, Father, to seek the loving and forgiving heart, to let go of the chains and binds and narrow way of thinking of hoarding or even money, and to simply let go, trust in you, seek your face, be still, and know that you are God. Guide us in these hours, protect us, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Father, as done a great job tonight of leading this podcast. Thank you, Lord. I really didn't know where this was going to go, but I asked him to take the wheel before we started. So thank you, Father. Patriots, good week ahead. We've got some good interviews coming up later this week and early next week. Don't get stressed by things. Jesus is right there with you. Just reach. Start talking. And enjoy the, enjoy the walk. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe.